Lawyers are often engaged to provide legal services in jurisdictions where the lawyer is not admitted to practice. If the lawyer isn't careful, these representations can lead to claims that the lawyer engaged in the unauthorized practice of law, sometimes referred to as UPL. I'm Terry Garland, and you're listening to The Portable Ethics Lawyer. In this episode, we're joined by Giovanna Long, a senior loss prevention lawyer at Alas, who will discuss some of the ethical considerations lawyers should keep in mind when engaged in multi-jurisdictional practice. Giovanna, welcome. Thanks, Terry. I'm happy to be here. Let's start by defining terms. What does it mean to engage in a multi-jurisdictional practice? A multi-jurisdictional practice is essentially defined as providing legal services in multiple jurisdictions, including jurisdictions where a lawyer may not be admitted to practice law. What kinds of problems can occur when lawyers engage in a multi-jurisdictional practice? Whenever a lawyer engages in multi-jurisdictional practice, she must consider whether her actions in the foreign state, that is, the state where she's not admitted to practice, could be construed as the unauthorized practice of law. A lawyer found to have committed the unauthorized practice of law can face suspension, disbarment, loss of legal fees, and even criminal prosecution. I'd like to talk more about the potential consequences of UPL, but first, would you tell us how the rules define the unauthorized practice of law? Sure. Rule 5.5b of the ABA Model Rules of Professional Conduct says that a lawyer who's not admitted in a particular jurisdiction cannot establish an office or other systematic and continuous presence or hold out to the public or otherwise represent that the lawyer is admitted to practice law in that jurisdiction. Most states have adopted some version of Model Rule 5.5, but it's important for lawyers to know the specific version of the rule that applies in the jurisdiction where the lawyer is providing legal services. But there are exceptions to Model Rule 5.5b, right? That's right. Rule 5.5c allows a lawyer to practice on a temporary basis in a state where they're not admitted if they meet one of four criteria. One, if they associate with local counsel who actively participates in the matter. Two, if they are authorized to appear by a tribunal or reasonably expect to obtain authorization from that tribunal. Three, when participating in arbitration, mediation, or similar proceeding, as long as the services are related to the lawyer's admitted jurisdiction and pro hoc vicee admission is not required. And four, where the legal services are reasonably related to the lawyer's practice in a jurisdiction in which the lawyer is admitted. In addition, Rule 5.5d2 allows an unadmitted lawyer to maintain a systematic and continuous presence in a jurisdiction as long as the services offered are authorized by federal or other law. But again, because each jurisdiction has its own nuances to the model rule, lawyers should consult the rules of the jurisdiction where they are providing legal services. Does the risk of UPL arise more often in particular practice areas? We see it more in litigation, but both transactional and litigation attorneys should be careful when providing legal services in jurisdictions where they are not admitted to practice. For example, a transactional lawyer can provide legal services to clients in a state where they're not admitted on a temporary basis if the services are reasonably related to the lawyer's practice in a jurisdiction where the lawyer is admitted. But whether the work is reasonably related depends on a number of factors, including whether the work is for an existing client, whether the client resides in or has contacts in the lawyer's admitted jurisdiction, whether the work is connected with the lawyer's admitted state, 
whether the work involves multiple jurisdictions, and whether the work draws on the lawyer's expertise in federal, nationally uniform, foreign, or international law. Of course, some states have specific rules governing the transactional services performed by out-of-state lawyers. For example, in Texas, only Texas-admitted lawyers can prepare documents affecting title to real property located in that state. Nevada and New Mexico only allow out-of-state attorneys to perform transactional services in that state if the out-of-state lawyer affiliates with local counsel, pays a fee, and files an annual report listing all the matters in which the lawyers participated. You also mentioned litigation? Yes. Most litigators know that in order to appear in a court in a jurisdiction where they're not admitted, they have to obtain what's called pro hoc vici admission. And they can easily find the requirements for pro hoc admission in state court rules. But some states have limits on the number of times an attorney can be granted pro hoc vici admission within a 12-month period. For example, in Alabama, a lawyer must show good cause to be admitted pro hoc vici more than five times in the same year. Florida prohibits lawyers from appearing pro hoc vici in more than three matters in a 365-day period. Michigan limits out-of-state lawyers to appearing pro hoc vici in five matters in a 365-day period. Some states also have additional hurdles to out-of-state lawyers appearing in arbitrations. For instance, South Carolina limits the number of arbitrations that an out-of-state lawyer can appear in to three times per year. New Jersey requires out-of-state attorneys to register with the clerk of the Supreme Court, authorize the clerk to accept service, and comply with New Jersey's rules on registration and fees. Sounds like there are a lot of factors lawyers should consider before performing legal services in a jurisdiction where they are not admitted. Anything else? Lawyers that have a virtual presence in a state where they're not admitted should also be very careful. What are the issues for the telecommuting lawyer? With advancements in technology and lawyers being able to remotely access most, if not all of their clients' data, it's more common for lawyers to work from home from time to time. And this is usually fine. But what if the lawyer lives in a different state than they are admitted to practice? Are there UPL concerns? The answer appears to be no, as long as the lawyer does not solicit or meet clients in her home state and does not hold herself out to be admitted there. As we talked about earlier, Model Rule 5.5C4 allows a lawyer admitted in one state to practice on a temporary basis in a state the lawyer is not admitted if the work relates to the lawyer's practice in the state where the lawyer is admitted. But again, lawyers should be sure to verify the specific rules in both their home and admitted state. Can a lawyer violate those rules even if not physically present in the state where they're not admitted? Absolutely. Comment 4 to Model Rule 5.5 explains that systematic and continuous presence may be established even if the lawyer is not physically present. A 2016 Minnesota Supreme Court decision illustrates just how a lawyer can get into trouble for this type of conduct. Listeners can find a copy of this decision on the landing page for this episode. In that case, a Colorado lawyer was asked by his in-laws, who lived in Minnesota, to help them settle a judgment that had been entered against them in Minnesota. In an effort to help settle that matter, the Colorado lawyer communicated via email over the course of several months with the Minnesota lawyer who had obtained the judgment for the in-laws. Although the Colorado lawyer never set foot in Minnesota, he was privately admonished for the unauthorized practice of law. The court found that the matter had no ties to Colorado, related to Minnesota residents, and arose from a judgment entered by a Minnesota court 
and therefore constituted the unauthorized practice of law. This case is a reminder that lawyers have to be careful when fielding calls from friends and family about legal issues related to jurisdiction where the lawyer isn't admitted to practice. What are some other consequences for violating the rules prohibiting the unauthorized practice of law? Discipline for violating the rules against the unauthorized practice of law can vary widely from private admonition, public reprimand, disgorgement of fees, to suspension or disbarment. In some jurisdictions, lawyers may even be subject to criminal fines and imprisonment. And if a client is prejudiced because of her lawyers being disqualified for UPL, the client might bring a malpractice claim. What tips should lawyers consider to minimize the risk of UPL issues? We have several tips on that. First, it's probably safest to engage local counsel whenever you are planning to take on a significant matter that involves a jurisdiction where you're not admitted to practice. Second, but equally important, know the rules for your home state as well as any jurisdiction involved in the matter where you're not admitted to practice and be sure to follow them. Local counsel can assist with identifying any unique rules in the jurisdiction where you're not admitted. Third, consult with your client regarding UPL issues and any need for retaining local counsel. And finally, be mindful of how you're holding yourself out to the public in the foreign jurisdiction. If you are regularly in a state where you're not admitted, make sure that you affirmatively state your limitations on your website bio, letterhead, business cards, email signature blocks, or any other marketing material. Thanks for those tips, Giovanna. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Terry. Until next time, I'm Terry Garland, and this is The Portable Ethics Lawyer. This podcast is provided for educational purposes to assist lawyers in avoiding ethics violations, malpractice suits, other professional liability claims, and management liability claims. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. The recommendations contained in this podcast are not necessarily appropriate for every lawyer or law firm. In determining the best course of action, lawyers should consider the applicable legal authorities and all relevant facts and circumstances. Copyright 2019 by Attorneys Liability Assurance Society. All rights reserved.